in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of The Top Ten Show. I am John Roca. I am Matt Nost. Uh, sorry to put that pause there. We were doing a couple of topic thunders in a row, so I thought I was I was like, wait, what am I? I, I can feel you saying I'm going to jump into The Top Ten. We've never done it, but, you we know. I've never done it. Look, if you want to amend and uh, we start something new. On the fly. This thing could uh, organically change at any moment. <laughs> That's right. So long as we choose to do it. That's the greatest thing about the show. Um, well, yeah. The only reason I don't see it catching on is because it would require us to remember to do it. <laughs> Every single time. Every time now. <laughs> yeah. And because it's not ingrained in the show, it'll take a while for that to stick. It took us two years to remember to say our names at the beginning of the show. So True. We and, finally got that down. Who knows how long it took to get the explanation of the show down. Good point. Good, good damn point. No idea. <laughs> Whoever has gone back and re-listened to it, let oh, us yeah. know. Yeah, let us know. Uh, but don't have the slightest uh, clue on that. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, well, thank you, everybody, for downloading the show and listening to our show this week. Uh, this is a Patreon show. Uh, what that means is that those of you who've donated at the Boss Hog level um, get to pick a topic for us. And we've been trying to pick... One a month so that we satisfy our, um, you know, top tier of patrons uh, and letting them uh, choose topics. So thanks to Chris Alexakos and Chris Matthew Smith. Hasso. Yeah, Matt Hasso, yeah. Clay Williams and Joe Barra. They, they help us immeasurably every week just doing what to them, I'm sure, is uh, a, a small job. It's like, oh, it doesn't take me that long to do. Right. Um, I think Alexakos would have the only uh, the one where it's just like, dude, you got. I've had to hunt down people for the relist. I know what that rigmarole is like. And getting people for the boss hog. Yeah. I, but Chris is ruthless. I like that about him. For sure. If, he gets, if you give him a task, Chris is going to complete it. He does not have time for pleasantries. Even when we give him an, an arbitrarily quick deadline like this. Yeah. She's like, don't worry. I already cracked the whip. And you're like, <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> I love it. To him, it's probably like 10 emails. Exactly. Like 30 minutes. We get to sit up. Yeah. You know, up high on the, the cliff and act as benevolent <laughs> individuals. And he is now cracking the whip on he shit. Is, he getting is. Getting things accomplished. Making sure it happens, which we appreciate very, very much. 1,000%. Yeah. But uh, our thanks to, to all of them, because without them, we wouldn't be able to be uh, as interactive with the Patreon people or, uh, you know, as engaged on social media yeah. Uh, yeah. and all those things. So uh, our thanks to all five of them. Uh, we thank you so much. And yeah. to our patron that supported this uh, for this show, David Mitchell Baker. Yeah. Thank you, David. Uh, we, uh, we got a bunch of great, uh, topics. Mm -hmm. A couple of people actually sent the exact same topic. Yeah. And, yep. uh, we texted about that. Um, and we, we went through a bunch of different iterations of ideas mm -hmm. and the one we settled on was best directorial debut. Right. That was one of David's, uh, suggestions. And just looking at this, I mean, this is a, this is a long list of movies that count Yep, and that are worthy of this discussion. Mm -hmm. A long list. This is a hard list. Yeah, there was a lot of choices, and Matt initially was like, "Should we split the?" We talked about possibly splitting the atom, but at the end of the day, we decided that it's just smarter for us to 
kind of go over a generalization and then when it comes up again to do it with splitting the atom type thing. Yeah, and plus, I think only once have we ever sent back to someone, hey, would you want to do this? Like a variation on their topic. Right, right. We try and just take it as this is how they're phrasing it. This is how we'll view it. So we didn't want to send back and be like, would you be willing to submit a list for a topic that technically you didn't pick? Right. Um, Right. Yeah, we want the choice to be yours. So we're like, you know what? Let's just do this one. Even though I went through a list of every movie from a first-time director. Yeah. Every single one. Wow. You can find it on Wikipedia. Yes, you can. And I went through every single stinking one. (laughs) And I wrote down every movie that jumped out as a possibility. Yep. And there's like 40-something. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot. And there's still another 10 or 15 that I've never seen. Wow. Wow. Okay. We're talking about that, you know. Oh, right. Yeah, going way back. I went back through the 40s. I stopped at the 40s. You were like, I got to draw the line somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. Because silent films? No, I'm sorry. I've only seen, you know. Unless we're talking about shorts, Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin type of, uh, those type of things. I've seen a bunch of those. Sure, sure. Um, But I'd never seen Metropolis until Eric Grebner submitted it for a Thunderdome. Thank you, Eric Grebner, for that experience. It's a little long. It's a little long. A little long. Um, It's interesting. Sure. That's a good way to put it. Um, Well, yeah, it's like two and a half hours. It is long. You could probably cut probably 40 minutes of this, 50 minutes of this. At least. But I've only seen it once. So okay. okay, okay. I can't really make that claim after having... Oh, sometimes you can, but it's one of those of maybe I'm not catching all the subtleties of everything that he's trying to do. Right. And maybe losing it. In oh, yeah, yeah. Just kind of zoning out for certain chunks. Mm-hmm. Uh, no idea. So the best directorial uh, debut. So many choices. Oh, God. In so many different genres. Exactly. And what am I going to honor? How am I defining this? Mm-hmm. It's like... It's how the movie holds up. It's also sometimes out of nowhere, something hit me. And you're like, I can't believe this is the first time you've done it. And maybe they didn't do anything else. Yeah. This was their one-off yep. type of thing. Like that, that is impressive. Okay. Or, yeah, monumental achievements within certain genres. And yeah. you're like, wow, you defined on some level to me part of what that genre is. And that's mm-hmm. your first movie. Yeah. It's, it's pretty impressive, especially over the last... Going through that list, I'd say the last 30 years, once independent films started coming up, because you start in the 40s, 50s, it's, it's like 10 names yeah. to 15 names max every right. year. That's right. about it. And you get into uh, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, now that's just cheaper and cheaper and cheaper to make movies. Mm-hmm. There's 27 names a year. There's mm-hmm. 32 names a year or something. I didn't count any specific because you're just trying to scan all of it. There's so many. So many. Yeah. And there's tons of great ones. Yep. And even some that, like, you go back and forth about, should I, should I not? Mm-hmm. Does it matter? Does, is it, does it affect me as strongly? It Does it resonate years later? Yeah. Yeah. Is one, my number 10 is, that's what, we, when you said, just let me know when you're ready to start, because I'm looking yeah. down at this going, well, my number 10, I watch less and less as time goes on, and I oh. think I might watch this one in the future going forward. More. Right. But I don't know that. That's just a guess as to how my taste is evolving. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's over and over. There's so many stinking movies. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, if you're listening at home and you'd like to make lists, do this one and let us know at facebook.com forward slash group forward slash the top 10 show with the number 10 or online uh, on Twitter at Matt Nost at The Roca Says. Yes. I want to see your list on this. Yeah. Because it's going to be such a wide, varied, you could go anything set before 1970 and you could do this all this full classic run of amazing movies yeah 
or anything only from the 80s. There's probably enough. Yeah. Or the 90s or the 2010s or whatnot. Definitely in the past like 15, 20 years. You could definitely do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot. Um, I, I had a tough time with some that were uh, co-directed. And so that's where I was having trouble sometimes. Okay. Um, especially for like animated ones. I had a tough time with animated ones. I chose not to include yeah, any. Yeah, it's tough to say like, well, will this be, is this a co-direct, like how many people were involved? Some of them were straight directors. Right. Like Brad Bird with Iron Giant. Right, exactly. exactly. Flat out. Exactly. You brought that to life. That is an awesome uh, standalone movie. Yep. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I just, every time I hear more and more about the, like the Pixar system, so to speak, mm-hmm. these guys kind of all grow up and they all help. With the project. Right. They're all involved. They are all involved. It's like Into the Spider-Verse. I was very close, but I was like, I was there at that panel that Collider threw. Oh, yeah. And got to sit down with all the directors and the writers, but it seemed like a seven-man team that made this. Mm -hmm. Just like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Is it anyone's actual, even though there's only two guys, I think, listed as director on this. It's like, it's tough for me to say. Brad Bird, I think, has the better case. Maybe that Incredibles. Yeah. If that was his directorial debut type of thing. Right. And he um, did one of the Mission Impossible movies as well. So, yeah, that's possible. But I think with animated, there's too many people involved. And it, you can't it seems like such separate a, it out. Yeah, such a collaborative process. Yeah, yeah. That I, I, but I don't know. I've never made one. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of hard to definitively say. I like how you said that. I have never made one. <laughs> I, once again, my opinion is... The, you know, the depth of this field is so shallow that I'm walking across the top. <laughs> the hardest thing was like looking at the ones uh, that were um, like looking through the Wikipedia list. They list also TV shows and foreign ones. So it was like, holy shit. How many well, of these can you get? I know at least one I didn't count. They'd done some TV shows or TV movies first. Oh, okay. We're talking about directorial film movies, you know, debut. Right. What right, was your right. first film? Right. Some people got to jump right in. Others started out, you know, doing a couple projects on TV. So, yeah, yeah. But there's different, especially one in particular. It's like when he came out, it's such a dramatic jump. Yeah. And was successful. It's, it's a different, you know. Yeah. It's a horse of a different color. To me, it's also, it's also about like the legacy of the film, right? Does it still sure, hold sometimes. up? Does it still, is it still something people come back to? Yes. Does it still there is the one that is on your list. Uh, mm. I'm oh. guessing it's number one. You already know. Yes. It's never held that. It's because I was a hipster kid when, sure. not really, but the attitude of everybody tells you this is the greatest thing ever, yeah. and then you see it, and you're like, it wasn't the greatest thing ever. Right, right. It, it was never going to live up to the expectation. Okay. So it's never. Okay, fine, if you want to go that route. I, you understand the <laughs> argument, though, right? Of course I do. If someone builds it up as the greatest, and there's never, it's, it's impossible. Yeah. Like, the Beatles did it. Yeah. I held off and listened to them for decades. Not decades. That's obviously for hyperbole, but for right. the longest time, because like there's no, they're not the greatest of all time, and you listen to it and you're like, you could really make a case that they are the best band of all time. You yeah. really can. Yeah. The breadth and body of work is so absolutely phenomenally In impressive. Seven it years is. or eight years is pretty phenomenal. The wide array they managed to do all kinds of different stuff and experiment and push themselves in ways that most artists fail. Yeah. And they did it like five times. Yep. Which is like now we're going this way, and you're like, well, you pulled it off. Yeah. You crafted an amazing song. Sometimes I don't understand them. It's just like you're still taking chances. Yeah. That's tough to do. <laughs> it is. You can't put out like a yellow submarine and a mockingbird. No. Or blackbird, rather. Right. Um, 
not many bands can have that range. Yeah. Or it's like a, you know, I want to hold your hand from that to Sergeant Pepper. Or Lucy in the Sky. Yeah, well, yeah. Right, 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 right. Exactly. It's like, and pull off both. And mm-hmm. I like both. In such a short different. amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, they were essentially the first boy band. There's a lot of people think they were the first boy band. Except they could play their instruments. <laughs> yeah, they had musical talent beyond pop locking and lip syncing at yeah, times. Yeah, uh, you but, know. They, but they were dressed similarly. You know, they didn't do dances, but they were dressed the same. You know, it's, about, it's Gladwell's Ten Thousand Hours. They were grinding in Germany, picking fights right. with you know drunk Germans as they're figuring out how to be a band, and then came back and just. <laughs> I, I mean, I want to hold your hand. What is this? What is this? Was ist das? Um, anyway, all right, so we're going to do this. This is, man, this is, I don't know. I, I, this is tough, man. There's a lot of choices. I know. A I don't even of, want to start. Yeah, I know. It's kind of scary to start because once we start, we've officially saying that this is our, this is our list. And it's, we, I, we rarely go this large. Uh, no. And this overwhelmingly, like, broad. But we're going to try. We're going to see where we end up. And we'll see how many of these... We actually have on each other's list. So there's a very strong possibility we could have 10 that neither of us has. But we'll see. I, I'm, I, I would guess we have one to two in common. Okay. Maybe three. Okay. But one to two is my guess. All right. You want to take a stab? No. You mean like, like stab now and yeah, guess? Yeah. Just, just guess how many you think that we have in common. I'm saying one to two. I'm saying three. Three? Yeah. I'm guessing I know one. To, okay. I, Two for sure now. Looking at my list. Two for two sure. For sure. Okay. All right. I'll go two. Okay. But three is now in the realm of possibility. I accidentally glossed over one as I was reading on my initial. <laughs> okay. But we're going to have a lot of difference. At, so All I just right. took my number 10 off. Oh, you just did? I pushed nine down to 10 because okay. that seems more appropriate. Okay. Because it's out of left field and it's never going to make our combined list. Okay. So you, you don't have it. Are you sure I don't have it? I can guarantee it. Okay, all right, all right. I'll bet you, I think I got like a couple singles on me. Oof. I'll bet you a couple singles. Wow. You know, balling over here. <laughs> I stopped. <laughs> I got these waters. I got myself a coffee. I slipped the guy a 10. I got some change back. I got singles, my man. man dropping, I got singles. You're dropping those Hamiltons. Uh, I respect it. Well, I dropped the Hamilton. That's what I'm saying. Now I got Washingtons. <laughs> all right, fair enough. But I'm flush with Washingtons. So, 10 you don't have, which is... Exit through the gift shop. Oh, yeah. By Banksy. Well, first, let's talk about how the show works, Matt. Uh, it's true. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever done that. It's a thing of beauty. This, that's what this topic has we, got me all discombobulated. We're overwhelmed by this Discombobulated. That's why we don't do these broad fucking things, that's because right. there's too many damn choices. We get too nervous. David, when we come back over to England... <laughs> I'm going to pull you aside at whatever place we go to for yeah. the after hours, and we are going to have a stern talking to about this broad topic shit. Yeah, I'm just going to stand behind Matt and go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, once David set this mind in, you know, just a, a racing topic, just, just shattered, <laughs> ripped my brain apart. We went our separate ways and created a personal top ten list and show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top ten list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. Ten is exit through the gift shop huh? by Banksy. All right. Yeah. Two. Great point. Not on my show. Not on my list. Not on your list. My Washingtons are safe. I've never seen this. Really? Yeah. Uh, in I essence, remember coming the, out, though. The reason it's on the list is, is it or is it not by Banksy? Is it or, or is it not real? This yeah. is all real footage. Yeah. But is what they're showing me, what actually happened or through editing, are you manufacturing this? Uh, did this individual make this choice? It's yeah. supposed to be about 
Banksy and graffiti art, and it ends up being about someone else. Right. And then it becomes a question of what actually is that someone else, and is he playing a part, or is this real? Yeah. And it's a documentary, and it is fascinating. Wow. And you walk out going, good for you, Banksy. I know less about you now than I did when I walked into this. Right, right, right. It plays so well into exactly what you're trying to spin. (laughs) And I hope you never make another thing because that fits with what you're giving the public. Like, talk about being on brand, and I don't – I think it's just – from what he's given us, this seems to be who he is. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, And that, you know, that whole community of – it's – it focuses on him and Shepard Ferry at first, then mm-hmm. it pivots to another guy. Uh, but that whole, you know, uh, underground culture of individuals mm-hmm. that grew to fame in their area from graffiti yeah. art. It became yeah. part of, I guess, the international discussion on some of these, at least in the, the Western world. Yeah. Once these, some of these guys rose to prominence. But Shepard Ferry has a multi million dollar clothing line now. It's Banksy. Yeah. Still don't know who he is, and yeah. there's other guys that make great livings off of making street art. Like, good for them. But this, when I uh, finished watching this, because I got a screener copy of it, mm. at the end of it, it ended, and I was like, I have no idea what what is going on. Yeah, you just want to sit down and talk about. It's kind of like Blair Witchian. Was that real or was that it? Like, interesting. You walked yeah. out with your friends, and you you had a 15 minute conversation. Yeah, and you were dumb. It was just presented to you as this documentary footage, whereas this is supposed to be. An actual documentary, but yeah. at the end, you're like, I don't know. Yeah. Was the stage, is this real? No fucking idea. <laughs> Good for you to basically giving us your version of reality, Banksy. Right. And right. for that, it was out of left field. I thought it was fantastic. I think it was nominated, but never had a chance mm-hmm. type of thing. For best doc, yeah. Yeah, I think. I think it was, too. That's probably why I got the, the actual screener. Okay. Um, but yeah. Okay. So that was my 10. Yeah, what's your number nine? Nine now becomes the choice. It becomes the choice. So oh. once you're bumping off, I was like, you know what? I'm taking that off. It's three movies all vying for that number nine spot. Wow. Three movies. I think the one mm. that will let la- Okay, we're going to cross one off. That one's gone. It's down to two movies. The one I'm gravitating towards is Nightcrawler. Okay, great choice. Couldn't put it on my list, but I understand why it would be on your list. It's a it, great film. Once I saw that, I was like, dude, Jake Gyllenhaal... Yeah. Is such a good actor. Yeah. It's not even funny because I just saw Southpaw and now I'm seeing this. Yeah. And you have played two utterly different individuals to the degree that I believe both were real characters. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like Source Code is good, but that seems more middle of the road meat and potatoes. You see that type of character a lot. Yeah. Whereas Southpaw to see somebody, I mean, he, he plays a punch drunk kid from grew up in an orphanage was a good pugilist and that's how he made his money and then goes into Nightcrawler and is this creepy guy that's trying to scam his way into but you know look he, he's he's got energy he's got conviction he's forthright he's definitely read every self-help book he's willing to work the hours yes and he's diligent yep he's dogged mm-hmm. uh, he's manipulative yeah a lot of what you project onto what that type of individual will be because you don't think of the fact that a lot of those individuals are like a stringer service. Yeah. And just like TMZ, if it bleeds, it leads. We want that footage and you're competing in this market here in Los Angeles yeah. where car chases are something that gets everybody race, you know, ratings. Yeah. So you're trying to chase whatever you can find and it's just fascinating. Yeah. I fucking love that movie. Yeah, the movie's fantastic. I mean, what he's able to do to his body, uh, yeah. um, the slicking back of the hair, 
the uh, because that dude is slick. Yeah, you know what I mean. And the unsettling stare he his has eyes. in moments in They're his eyes bugged out. It looks like he's on coke, but yeah. more than likely it's some ADD medication like Adderall. Right, or, right. It just it's, it's the uncomfortable moments after people are trying to turn him down or tell him he can't do something. He just kind of takes it in for that moment and then doesn't accept it and goes forward. And you can see that he's having an internal monologue where he, where what people are saying to him is referenced back to something he read in one of his self-help books. Yeah. And he's processing that moment and then reacting to it. And Through like, the wow. guise of early on when he's stolen all that stuff, all that scrap yeah, metal, yeah, yeah, and he takes yeah. it to the guy. And after he's like, basically the transaction has begun and he's like, you know, are you hiring right now? Because he starts giving a bullet point of his resume, and yeah. the guy, in essence, was like, "So you want me to give you a job, a guy that basically I know stole this stuff?" <laughs> and he's like, "Good point." But 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 he just finds a different way. He's just trying to. Yeah. He's, he's you know casting his net every which direction until it finally snags something. He doesn't care. Yeah. But most people give up. The ones who don't are the ones who keep pushing for whatever reason. He finds his end. He yeah. manipulates Rene Russo. Yeah, oh my God. Riz Ahmed, he drives him to the point of you yeah, know, lunacy on some level. Poor Riz, yeah. Such it's a crazy great go, character. Yeah, such, it's crazy to go back when I rewatched it, you know, after he had, mm. uh, what was that, Of Night, whatever that show oh, was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, 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 yes. The uh, Night Of. The Night Of. Right. Um, which I liked, and then it changed, and I was like, what in the world is going on mm. in the show? Yeah. Um, I agree with you. It didn't have the effect that he, I was hoping. He have. he took the prison life a little too quick for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it's just like you had a, a decent chance of yeah. at least trying to get off. It's like fuck that, yo. <laughs> I'm here for life, and you're like easy there, <laughs> easy, buddy. Whoa, yeah, it's Whoa. like fucking all right. <laughs> you should be in county, not in general, like right. federal penitentiary just yet. Yeah. I don't know if the county's supposed to... Is the county supposed to be that? I don't think so. If it was truly hard, they'd be at the federal level. I hope to never find out. I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Um, um, yeah, and I, the other movie that was battling it out, it's like, it's a, it's a quality one. I just mm-hmm. think I'll, I may end up watching Nightcrawler more. Okay. But it's close. That's fair. Uh, what's your number eight? Uh, my number eight is The Maltese Falcon. That's my number nine. Okay. Yeah, man. That was one of mine. It, it's got a shot. John Houston. I actually, so it had come up uh, not that long ago. Okay. In that I told you I'd never seen it. You're like, you've never seen The Maltese right. Falcon? Right. And I went home and I watched it like a couple of days later. I was like, you know what? I should really see that. Yeah. And it's, it's good. It's damn good, man. I'll tell you this much. Humphrey Bogart is pretty damn excellent in everything. Every, like you could update him delivering that dialogue to today, and it still works. Yeah. There are other times where the actors, it's still like uh, the, the women devolve at times into hysterics that only existed in film at a very specific time. Right, exactly. Just like, okay, she's a little bit more of a, a character yeah. or a cartoon version of herself as opposed to, it doesn't go into full histrionics. Right. But there are moments, and then the, the villain is a little... Yeah, he's yeah. great. Sydney Greenstreet. Yeah, yeah. but well, Laurie is great too. Peter Laurie is great in the he film is. as well. Yeah, so much fun. But he plays a better creepy character than he does. <laughs> yes, I still agree. good. Yeah, I agree. Still good. Uh, but it's all Humphrey. It's all mm-hmm. his swagger, his confidence. You know, and he, John, easily. And Houston is young when he directs this thing. How old is he? He's like twenty seven, twenty four, something like that. And he is. He understands how to use light in this noir. How to use darkness. He paces the film well. 
the scenes of revelation about what the Maltese Falcon actually is. All of that is really well done. And his journey, Humphrey's journey through the movie, because he stumbles into this whole situation. And he essentially lays the groundwork with this movie for all the private eyes to come. Yeah. Every single private eye, all the way up till now, when you see the movies, there's a little bit of that Maltese Falcon type of vibe to the private eye. Or our interpretation is that the private eye should be this way. It helped shape the discussion of what that is. Right. And that discussion evolved over time. But the, the roots, the DNA yeah. of the current discussion is based in him and a few other iconic yeah. things. I mean, that's the reason it makes a list. Is this translates so well to Denal, and that's difficult to do. Yep. The pacing is nice. Mm-hmm. You know, they keep it to a solid, like it's a buck 30, buck 40. Yep. yep. It's what it should be. Yeah, for noirs. Yeah. If it's made today, if it's made 70 years ago, mm-hmm. it should be about a buck 30, buck 40. Right. We don't need an extra 20 minutes to flesh this out the two. Agree. Uh, I'm walking out. It's it's like another movie on on my list. I'm just like, you could release that today, and that's still might have to make a couple tweaks here and there, but that's ready to roll. Yeah, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, all right, so then my number ten. <sighs> you doing the same thing? Yeah, kind of. It's a tough one, man. I hate to say this. Yeah, my number ten is being John Malkovich. Okay. Yeah. Um, that that film is a, is a, it's not one of my. F- How can I say? I this don't story? rewatch it. That's why I didn't make my list. Yeah, but it's it's um, technically one of the most fantastic films I've ever seen. Uh, the Charlie Kaufman script is brilliant. The yeah. pathetic nature of Cusack, which is a character who rarely plays. All of them, right? All of them, right? Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz was at the height of she's supposed to be a sex pot, and now yeah. she's playing this. Yeah, kind of mousy, whatever, with the curly hair. Yeah, resigned to a schlubby life. Yeah, Catherine Keener playing this like kind of like ruthless, uh, 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 I don't know what you call them, femme fatale, I guess, to a degree. Kind of. But like she's never caught out. She's so in control. Of Catherine Keener never has never, in my opinion, has never radiated that kind of sexuality, but she does in this movie. Mm-hmm. Whether you believe it or not is your own uh, uh, situation, but she does it so well. And you get what's happening here. And the inventiveness of this whole situation of going into Malkovich's body is just genius. Yeah. And when he ends up like staying in the body for so long because he's been tra- all of it is just and this whole little separate world that's created within Malkovich, all of it is just genius. It it is so weird. Yes. This is truly from the mind of one individual has managed to have been brought to the big screen. <laughs> yes. By the other, like just another interesting individual. Well, and I always think this is, um, I always think this is uh, that time that was the last gasp of the independent film movement. The early 2000s was the last okay. gasp of that 90s stuff. We don't really get it like we did before. You don't think so? No. I don't think we have it that same way, like uh, Reservoir. There's no Reservoir Dogs. There's no. I don't see that anymore. Do you? It just gets released. It's like First Reformed. Or it's like, uh, what's the Lighthouse one coming out with, with oh, Willem yeah. Dafoe? It's and, called the Lighthouse, yeah. Yeah. All, like, a lot of what A24 is doing. Yeah, yeah. We just saw another A24. Like I saw two A24s this summer. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that's what I'm... Yeah, it's just know. a different... Fa- so now it comes from kind of one production company, but they're right. still taking swings. Mm-hmm. There aren't as many individual auteurs, a la those individuals, that, that manage to kind of cement a brand as often. Yeah, yeah. 
if they're that good, they get swept up into the other bigger machines like Ryan Johnson. Yeah, right. Or right. what's his name that did the Josh Trank. Yeah, Trank. She's even, like, oh, he's got a, you know, we know what he is. Boom, let's get him to do this. Even Bayona, who did the last Jurassic World, he had done those smaller fil- yeah. horror films. There are fewer Villeneuve's. Yep, yep, yep. Agreed. Anyway, this is fantastic. Great performances from everybody involved. You haven't seen this one in quite some time or haven't seen it at all. You should definitely yeah, watch weird. it because it, it is supremely weird. And yes, Malkovich is in the movie and it's genius what ends up happening with him as well. Uh, as I said, number nine is Maltese Falcon. Number eight is uh, Boys in the Hood. Okay. Yeah. Didn't no. make your list? Okay. If, if one from a first-time director talking about the struggles of South Central was going to make it, it's going to be Menace to Society. Oh, fair. The Hughes Brothers. It was close. Okay. It All was right. very close. All right. I can respect that. Uh, I just th- I think for me, this is the one that I will go back to of those more often. Okay. Because uh, I, I just like, it's a tragic, tragic story and... The performances of Cuba. This is before Cuba did Snow Dogs and all that kind of jazz. And I think he's yeah. really powerful here. Uh, I like um, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, of course. Um, and well, Morris Chestnut, Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Yeah. Ice Cube, all those guys. And it's, it's brutal. It's still ruthless and it still resonates. Uh, some of the um, danger that goes on that you watch in the film, it's not like Colors. Like you go back and see Colors, and that's terrible. It's cheesy as fuck. What are you talking about, Vato? <laughs> one, two, Holmes. Hey, two. what's up, Pac-Man? Hey, Pac-Man. <laughs> it's terrible. Orale, Vato, hey. Everybody has their khaki creased pants yep. up to right below their nipples with weird suspenders and wife beaters. I like the redhead they tried to turn into a cholo. That was my favorite in Colors. So ridiculous. But in Dude, Boys in the Hood, there's what? Did you like uh, Lean Like a Cholo? Do you ever listen to that? No. Lean Like a Cholo. You never heard that? No. Oh, are you kidding me? That must be West Coast. It is West Coast. Yeah, yeah. But it came out like eight years ago. You lived here. What? Ten years ago. It's a, it's a song. Oh, yeah, right. Lean Like a Cholo. Back, back, side to side. It's like the worst video you've ever seen. But it became somewhat of a hit out here so much so that I heard it on the radio a really? few times. Well, I just listen to Sirius, so I never hear this kind of stuff. I <clears throat> lean like a cholo from AK. Uh, hey, somebody that lives in Southern California. Yeah, uh, uh, da- uh, down AK Kilo. Lean like a cholo. We're probably going to get a strike on us for this, but oh yeah, they have oh. a weird uh, strip club. Uh. Oh, that's right. Sides. Elbows out, side to side. I mean, it's just a dude. Is this a dance move? I didn't know this was like a ubiquitous dance move. I don't think move. it's a dance move. <laughs> I think it might be because this was a hit with the oh. Latino population out here in Southern California. Oh, I don't know. Look at what's the view count at? Uh, 2.5 million views. That's, Good God. That's all from Southern California. And it, this was 12 years ago. There you go. Eight, okay, eight was a little short. Eight was a little short. That's all right. Wow. Lean like a cholo. All the right. guy raps at that, ha, ba, 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 like this high pitch, like he's almost losing his breath a little bit on every elbows out, side to side. <laughs> All right, there you go. Uh, anyway, boys, <laughs> fantastic. Still holds up. The late great John Singleton. Um, what a debut! And at the time when it came out, people were like blown away by this film. Yes, 
came out at a time when gangster rap was also on the ascendancy and people were being exposed to what was happening in the streets in South Central with the cops uh, and with the police and with these gang members and what was going on in these communities and some of the police brutality and also some of the crime. All of it was being highlighted in these rap music uh, and certainly Boys in the Hood show that. And it's tragic. It's tragic as fuck, that movie. And uh, that scene between Cuba near the end with uh, Lawrence when he's got the gun, he's got to have the conversation with him. Yeah. It is some incredible work there from all of them, and you can't help you can't help but give that credit to the director, and that's John Singleton. So uh, it started a whole wave. There is no menace certainly. without Boys in the Hood. Yep. There is no South Central. There yep. is no juice. There is no. Yeah. It created a you know a slight renaissance mm-hmm. of stories talking about the inner city struggle of kids growing up in that type of environment yeah. out here in California, also in New York a little bit yeah. with juice and with sure. you know some others that came out. Uh, what was it? Was Sugar Hill Gang or something like that? One Sugar of them. Sugar Hill is that was Wesley. Yeah, Wesley, yeah. and he was on top of a drug empire right, somewhere right. on the East Coast. But I always associate that with New York. Yeah. Sure. Although King of New York came before that with Chris Walker. Yeah, that was in the eighties. Yeah. Um, but it sparked so much so that then there ended up being uh, NWH. Don't be a menace to South Central, like the parody version of. You know how you've been around for a yeah. while. Yeah, when they parody you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and don't be a minute to South Central while you're drinking your juice in the hood. Yeah. Just like we're going to try and bring in as many of them as we possibly can. <laughs> but I watched all of them. Yeah. I've seen damn near everyone that, in, you know, from ba- that era. Baby boy, the Tyrese one. Didn't watch it. I never bought Tyrese as that type of guy. Yeah, no. Nah. It just, as soon as that came out, I was like, nah, pass. Yeah. Literally soft. Literally soft. It's, I'm sorry. I don't, even if you're from there, your whole persona to me has been yeah. the, the same as like uh, Usher. Yeah. Or Babyface. Even Drake. Or, yeah, Drake. Like, yeah. I'm never going to buy that you're from it's that area. Tough or anything. I, yeah. Don't give a shit how good your acting is. Exactly. Will Smith doesn't try to do that. Nope. Well, because he knows to. he can't. Yeah. We don't view him like that. Right. And nor maybe he doesn't view himself like that. That's when Hammer, when Hammer tried to go hard, I was like, stop it. Please stop it. Exactly. Yeah. Not when everything you've been giving us is this. Yeah. And... <clears throat> you were a ball boy for the A's. Well, and the, thing is, and the thing is, Hammer was hard at the beginning. Turn This Mother Out, that's a fucking awesome song. And that is hardcore shit at that time. And then he goes into Can't Touch This. And I don't even think Can't Touch This is that bad. It's when he starts doing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles songs or whatever those songs were. Or whatever rap he did. What, too the Legit Adams to Quit? Fam- the Adams Family. Adams Family. That was when it was over. That's when it was over. Right? Come on. Too Legit. Too Legit to Quit. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Too Legit. And there's a hand thing. Yeah. I was young enough to like, yeah, I'll try and learn this. <laughs> Look, I remember when Bartman came out. Oh, right. I do was looking Bartman. forward to it when they announced it because I was a kid. And I was like, oh, do the Bartman. Yeah. I had the T-shirt. I still have a, uh, the same Bartman T-shirt that I had in third grade, fourth grade. One wow. of the two. Wow. Third grade, I think it was. Okay. And it's sitting in a drawer. It's <laughs> one of two of my boyhood shirts that I held on to. And the other one got lost in a move. It's like two Damn. moves ago. Oh, damn. Yeah. It was the only Jordan shirt that I kept, and I had about 25 of them. Wow. It's all, hey, we got you a Jordan shirt for your birthday. Right. Hey, we got you a Jordan Just, if you can find one, I'll wear it. <laughs> and some of them stopped fitting, and I just held on to them because they were my Jordan shirt. Yeah. So that's over the course of how many years Jordan loomed so large in my childhood exactly. and through my teenage years. Oh, we got another Jordan shirt. I'll wear it. Add it. Yeah. I, I hear you. What's your number seven? Uh, seven for me is Blood Simple, the Coen Brothers. Oh, nice. I've never seen it, so... Okay. Yeah. Okay, that was one of my... I think we might have that one. There's yeah. two others. Okay. Um, 
So we might get to your three, but my two is looking pretty good right now. <laughs> my two is looking good. Um, the reason it's seven, I guess, on some level for me is you see it. Look, it is a quality movie just like everything else. By mm-hmm. and large, the Coens have done. Mm-hmm. Even though we may not be the biggest Hail Caesar fans. Yeah. I can still appreciate the amount of work that went into it and then all the choices, the cinematography, the costumes, etc. Uh and Blood Simple is just a very simple stripped down story, but it's done so precisely mm-hmm. that it's impressive that two brothers were managed to, to collaborate on this. And it's also because this one was, was so good and they're almost independent filmmakers. This is an independent film. Um, because of the quality of this, we have the Coens to this day. Yeah. They kept just churning out. We can do a small movie on our own and make something that is just top notch quality. Yeah. So because of that, it's like, thank God for Blood Simple. Because now I have No Country, I have Big Lebowski, yeah. I have Raising Arizona, I have Miller's Crossing, yeah. all of that because you guys just clicked from day one from the first one and I like Blood Simple. It's not my favorite Cohen, Right, right, right. Uh, brothers, but at the same time, because of it, I've got so many movies that are in the discussion mm. for one of my favorite movies. That's fair. So it's just like, it deserves a place on my list. I may not go back to rewatch it more than the others, but it's tough to kind of find a director or directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, that always work together. We'll say yeah. that since it was co-director. But their first one was this good. Yeah. There is no, like, I don't go back for Spielberg or yeah, uh, duel. You know, The Duel or yeah. THX or... Yeah. For Coppola. Yes, uh, Scorsese's oh, first. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mean I mean, Streets or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But there's two before Mean Streets or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. So the, I don't uh, know what that is. I've never seen it. Yeah, Alice doesn't live here anymore. Than something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. just like the Coen's, boom, from one... That is, I've seen it. I think it's excellent. I like your others by and large more. Yeah. There are some that I definitely slot lower than that. Yeah. Thank you for being so good. Uh, so, yeah, I would okay. say I don't want to say, you know, obviously too much, but it's a, it's a simple, you know, uh, lovers type of uh, kind of interconnected uh, mm-hmm. entanglement yeah. between lovers and former lovers. Type okay. Of and there you go. It's a noir, isn't it? Yes. Like a modern noir. Yeah. I need to see it. It's ridiculous that I haven't seen it. It's ridiculous that I haven't seen it. All right, what's your number six? Six is Ex Machina. Oh, yeah, I debated on that one. Be- that was tough, and that's a good Because it's such a philosophical discussion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For your first film, for me to walk away, like that had a more profound effect than Pi for oh, yeah. Oranofsky. Yeah. Whereas that was interesting, but at the end of it, it's just like, who knows? Right. Could have been. Whereas for, for Ex Machina, it's just like, wow. What... What is your reality? What isn't reality? Mm-hmm. What is the future of this technology? What does that pretend for human beings? What, how do you define a soul? Yeah. What makes something human? What, you know, what is a personality? What is it? She seems to have a lot of the spark of life that we assume right. and associate with life. Right. You know, what, uh, why we, some individuals carry dominion over animals because they don't have that type of, you know, it's why they'll eat pigs and cows just as I will. Yeah but it's part ingrained of they don't have a soul like I do. She kind of does. Yeah. Okay. Is she alive? She doesn't breathe air, but technically by definition, fire on some level is alive. It breathes oxygen. It consumes like it has aspects of life to it, but it has no idea, no mind, no passion, no thought. It still fulfills a lot of the definition though. Yeah. True. That's your first fucking film. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, Alex Garland. Yeah, that's really impressive. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. He gets a great performance out of Oscar Isaac. 
And Domin Hall Gleason, uh, right. the candor. Yeah, Alicia Vikander. Um, and the twist at the end is completely believable. Yep. And how many men have caught themselves in that trap? And that was brilliant as well. It was unique and universal at the same time, mm-hmm. and which I thought was a kind of brilliant from him. And the special effects were minimal and worked really well. Uh, yeah, it's not the focus. No. Exactly, it which just, is what was great. Yeah, it's part of the character development. Some great and some incredibly well-written scenes in that movie too. Well, because it's it's in essence us. Yep, it's two individuals sitting across from each other and they're having a dialogue. Like the, that's the defining scene in a movie that was in discussion on my list, but it's never really because of the lack of rewatchability. Mm-hmm. It's not going to merit making it on. Right. But there's a scene right in the middle of like 15 minutes, which is two people talking. It is fucking riveting. Yeah, it's flat out riveting. Yeah. And when you can do that, especially as your first time director, it's like. That is so impressive because to, you don't need the pomp and circumstance of big explosions or this, that, and the other. You're carrying the t- ten, uh, tension and suspense just by the written word on the page. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like understanding the interplay between two individuals yeah. so well. It's, it's really impressive. Agreed. That was your number six? Uh, that was my six. That's okay. another A24. Is yeah, it not? That's true. I think it is, yeah. Uh, my number seven then is A Star is Born from Bradley Cooper. Okay. Um, I had no idea this film was going to make it on my list. Like, honestly, when I started writing my list out, I was like, blah, blah, blah. And then I randomly hit a couple other sites, and then I went, ah, oh, fuck. I stumbled on that, and I was just like, man. I, this is, I thought it was an incredible debut by an actor. It's a long film, and it doesn't feel long. True. And his ability to capture the concert scenes is incredible when you juxtapose that to the scene in the strip club when it's just him and the guitar. Like you just, or the or whatever is the dance club, whatever it is, it, he's able to capture whatever environment he is putting the film in in a way that's authentic and believable and exciting and interesting. True. He gets great performance out of himself. And a phenomenal performance. It should, from, in my opinion, I don't know if it's yours, but should have won, won the Oscar. Basket. Yeah, should have won Basket. Should have won it hands down. Absolutely. People will forget Rami's performance. They will, they will not forget Bradley's. Yes, they will. Uh, and uh, I thought he had a great performance out of uh, Lady Gaga as well. And maybe that's editing or maybe that's like directing. I don't know. But I thought he got great performance out of her. Dice Clay is great in the movie. Uh, Sam Elliott was, Sam Elliott, is yeah. fantastic in the movie. So to me, a lot of what he was able to do and tell the story and not pull any punches, including that scene when he pisses himself, uh, I, I just thought it was a very bold film to explore this uh, devolution uh, of a man as the evolution of his girlfriend is happening, who he helped to get an, uh, a shot at the title. That was brilliant. I, look, man, I was with you. Couldn't believe I loved it. And mm-hmm. then all the, by and large, all the character or the story choices they made with her character towards the end of the movie. Right, right, right. Just left me. I was like, you know what? Now I, I wish you had scrapped all that and just focused on Bradley Cooper mm-hmm. and his character because he was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found him just mesmerizing every time he was on. Like that scene you were talking about with him at the burlesque club. Yeah. And he's just on stage because it's like, we're, we perform for you. Why don't you perform for us? And everybody at first was like, oh, hey, whatever that character's name is, like, don't be a jerk. Yeah. And uh, she, I don't know if uh, she's taken off her, I don't know what the yeah. pronoun would be. 
she at that moment is just like, ah, you know, and he's like, oh, it's fair, it's fair type of thing. And he gets up and sings a song where I was like, I want that in my life. As soon as it ended, I was like, I need to make a mental note of see if they release a soundtrack. Yeah. Because I want that song. That to me was way better than Shallows. And I oh, Shallows. Uh, it's absolutely better than Shallow. He just crushed it. I was like, yeah. what is this? Yeah. Eddie Vedder meets, yeah. you know, uh, Eddie Van Halen with the drinking. Yeah. Mixed with Bono and a little fucking Bob Dylan. Like, <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, maybe it's time to let the good times. Yeah, what, oh, what is this life die. like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to see that, the, you know, a star has to die for another star to be born. Mm. Type of beautiful synergy within the story. I just didn't buy any of the bullshit that they put her through with the dancers. And the yeah. that part logically does not make any sense to me. But it's well directed. It whether, is. Whether it's story-wise it uh, is. works for the film. It's still well directed, and I, that's what I come back to over and over again. So, I walked out upset yeah. because I couldn't love it. Yeah, that's fair. Upset because yeah. I was so entranced by the two of them, like late night hanging out when yeah. she's got to get the peas or whatever else. And yeah, their chemistry is yeah, incredible. them just talking. You can see like I don't know. He just he found someone. Yeah, yeah. And it is that simple to him. Hmm. Hmm. That's it. I and, knew. I knew. Like when I picked up the guitar, I knew this is what I'm supposed to be or who I'm supposed to be with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I saw the ending for that character long before it happened. And I was yeah. like, of course, we're going to end here. Yeah. I really think the movie should end here. It just fade to black. We get some maybe voiceover over the black of, and now accepting a Grammy like her, whatever, yeah. her star exploding as his, you He's know, out. completely fades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. We didn't need that. But that's when you cast Gaga, her, her people are her, like, yeah, you, you got to give me my diva performance. It's not even that. It's, yeah. it's, we got to appeal to yeah, audiences. Her, 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 yeah, her we got to leave them with some sort of happy ending. Yeah, yeah, true. true. Can't just make it depressing like life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. Uh, all right, then my number six is... Did, Amer- you, did you know that uh, if you hang yourself, you, uh, there's a chance that as men we'll get an erection? Well, that would make sense with the auto asphyxiation. Stuff True, and I think maybe it's to. cutting off the blood flow to the brain, so that yeah. excess blood that would go down and yeah, just a byproduct of. Yeah, I heard that offhand, and I was like, I don't know if that's true, but it sounds true enough. Feels feels logical to me. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just heard that uh, not long ago, like a month ago, and I was like, yeah. huh, yeah, okay, I could see where that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the my number six is American Beauty from Sam Mendes. Never a chance to make my wow. list. Didn't make my side list. Wow. Didn't make consideration. All right. There you go. Look, there's no need to come out so vitriolically against my my choice. But I, wanna, I, clearly you didn't like the choice. It's a shopping bag twirling in the wind over in the corner there. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but look at the again, philosophical conversation that I have to evoke within myself because you're giving me nothing but a fucking <laughs> twirling bag. And somehow that's supposed to make me do what Ex Machina does. That's fair. No chance. If you feel that way. I, I enjoy the hell out of the way Sam directs this film. Uh, the story that he's telling here of uh, of uh, uh, Kevin Spacey's character and his change and his progression in his life and getting out of his sad marriage, but also how it's affecting everything around him. So just because he's going on this journey and this creepy journey, because obviously he has a thing for uh, his daughter's uh, girlfriend, uh, uh, played by Mina Suvari, like this kind of weird-ass journey works within the construct of the film because of how Sam directs it. The performance he gets out of Annette Bening, uh, everything that goes on with Thora Birch and Wes Bentley is interesting, and I agree the the paper bag thing floating around is ridiculous. But 
the angst that they feel about their they have no place to belong really that's kind of what was going on with a lot of kids at that time and they he really captures it well kids in general i think my problem with the movie is who is the likable individual that i'm cheering for spacey kind of yeah you're supposed to as he's breaking out of yeah his terrible job his loveless marriage his terrible wife and yeah weird neighbor his his weird neighbor I don't know. I just the movie as a whole is depressing. I didn't like any of the characters. Okay. I just uh, fair enough. That to me, yeah, just it never. I oh god, <laughs> it is. It just brings out, evokes the worst in me. And Clearly, people are like, "Oh, so good." You just don't get. I've been attacked before. Well, attacked I, is a strong word. Okay. But someone told me, you know, basically your opinion is wrong. If if my ultimate critique of it is, I find it pretentious. Yeah. Like, well, you're not explaining yourself. And sometimes the feeling is so emotionally guttural that it's hard to summate into words. Mm. And I'm not a man that I don't struggle for vocabulary. True. And I can't really put into words the the, the dick punch I want to give this movie <laughs> because I don't enjoy it in the slightest. Don't sell yourself short. I feel like you are doing a really good I really job don't. of conveying. That's the problem. I don't feel that I am. You know? <laughs> You see me connecting with the dick, and I think the guy still has, like, really solid pants on. I don't know where I'm swinging just yet. I okay, really feel enough. like I'm struggling to zone in on those huevos and take fair a enough. shot. Fair enough. Uh, well, that's all I'll tell you. Is I love the way story. I love the cinematography. I think Sam tells a fantastic story in this film. Uh, and it's still one that whenever I catch certain scenes, still uh, uh, I enjoy thoroughly and resonates with me. But that being said, I know for some people it doesn't work. So let's move on. What's your number five? You're sitting across from one of them. Yeah, clearly. What's your number five? Five is not on your list. Okay. You might even groan. Okay. I'm completely fine with that. Okay. Caddyshack. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Dude, just... It's not on my list. So many comedies I wanted to put on this list. So many comedies. Really? Okay. Uh, are you kidding me? There's a, three others that I'm like... Wow. I might have to put this on. Okay. But I went with Caddyshack because it was one of my first rewatchables. Yeah. Uh, in that it was on VHS or something the first time I saw it. And I got to see it a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. It's, it's lived with me since then. And it was the first of those. And there have been other comedies that have joined that awesome bandwagon over yeah. the years. Yeah. It's like, hey, we got somehow. Look at that. We got another room. Uh, jump on board. <laughs> and I got another movie that's just like it's a comedy. And I could watch it an infinite number of times. And Caddyshack right. was the first. So that's why I trumped the others on my list. It's just like, you made that status before these others. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, and I effing love Caddyshack. What baffles me is I think it came up in the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the top 10 show, that a uh, few people went back, of it, back to it from us talking about it. They're yeah. like, yeah, it just doesn't do anything for me. That's I crazy. Know. I know there are expanses where it's just like there's not a lot of jokes technically going through here. Yeah. Or if you don't care about the golfer story with the girl, the girl that may or may not be pregnant and all that, I understand. Yeah, it struggles for its own identity at times within the movie, because mm-hmm. um, the overall arc is more so about the the little guy making it up over the big guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the golfer. Yeah, well, the golfer, you know, kind of symbolizes that in and of itself. But it's like the, the caddy standing up to the rich kids. It's the anti-establishment against establishment right. via this country club of this white wasp world yeah. and people of color and whatnot who are the caddies. Yeah. yeah. And they only get to their <laughs> caddy tournament. They get to use the pool one day a year. And they're just heathen animals. Yeah. But, the, I mean, the jokes have just been indelible 
for me with Bill Murray. Cinderella, boy, tears in his eyes. Uh, <laughs> him fucking with Danny uh, over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, I was born to love you. I was born to lick your face. <laughs> he goes to open that Perrier or whatever, but he doesn't. They're all uncapped because yeah. he has no other. So, oh, look at that. It came right off. And just hands it to her. The dumbest jokes. Yes. The dumbest jokes. And but they're level, fun. They are. Rodney's great in the movie. He is. Holy crap. Oh, I'll take three of these, four of these. Oh, that's the worst hat I've ever seen. Well, it looks great on you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just. Ted Knight is fantastic. Oh, Ted well. Knight is stellar. You buy Bushwood you. Uh The whole scene with the, with the uh, priest playing in the rain, just genius. Yeah. Just genius. Um, all of it, like when he's like when he gets hit by the lightning, and you see Bill in the background just kind of lay the golf clubs down and run away. Not even call the cops, just just run away. Nope. And then later on, you come with the priest, and he's just like, "There is no God." It's just like genius all around. How funny that film is. So I can't fault you for putting it on your list. I can't. Who's the director? Do you remember the director? Is it? It is Harold Ramis. Oh, it is Harold Ramis. It's Harold Ramis. All right, it's good to know. It's probably Man. gonna be a down question. All right, what's your number four? Oh, wait, we go back and forth? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. My number five is uh, Get Out by Jordan Peele. Okay. Yeah. It was close. Ooh, that's a good film, man. I don't know how many times I'll go back to rewatch it just yet. It's only been out for, what, two years? Yeah, yeah. I've only seen it once. Okay, fair enough. I think this is an incredible announcement of a, of a director, and no one saw this fucking coming. No. Everyone's like, what? The guy from Key and Peele is directing a horror movie? Okay. And then you watch it, and it's a brilliant take on racial relations. With stuff that's being said that people have said quietly amongst each other, but never seen in an actual movie. And it was mind-blowing to see how gutsy it was for him to put that in the movie. I mean, nothing, nothing uh, I'd seen before came close to what how uh, spot-on, maybe since Do the Right Thing, how spot-on he was about racial uh, fears and racial... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, what may be at the core of racism. This, uh, f- The reason you're racist against this group is because you actually think this group is functionally better than you at most things. Uh, or okay. or is, is somehow more desirable than you at some. Wow. White culture has been co-opting black culture. Yeah, for you. Because they think it's cool. Yeah, since the idea of yeah, rock and culture. roll. Rock and roll. Yeah, but yeah. modern understanding of popular culture yeah. is... White people stealing from black people's idea of what cool yeah. is, yeah. and then putting a Pat Boone spin on it in the back, you know, in the fifties, right? And that evolved over time. Yep, exactly. Uh, but yeah, but seeing that and and just the performances are fantastic. All of Kaluuya and Lil Rel and uh, Ashley Williams, all just great stuff. And I love that scene. Just the the to me the film. Oh, and of course Lakeith Stanfield. For me, the film is some summarized near kind of closer to the end. When she is looking for a new person. Oh, she's drinking her milk? And she's drinking, and the, the, the milk is in a separate thing, and the Fruit Loops are not integrated with the milk. And I was yeah. like, damn. But everything, and it's in the white little cup. Yep. And everything is this astringent <laughs> world. It's, you know, it's one of, when you're watching it and you're like, shh, that looks evil as shit. Yep. It's all white. Mm-hmm. It's all white. And it's a, that's an interesting discussion as to who it, we are. The culture and world that we've created for ourselves in America, especially yeah. modern day America, is like that's super interesting. It's ruthless, unapologetic white supremacy, and it's fucking scary and evil. 
Uh, and I think it's brilliant. Is it though? You know what I mean? Is it? Are we so bad? Are we so bad? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, every race or minority has terrible people in it. But like th- when you're the majority race, uh, seeing that kind of. I mean, we've been to space. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Uh, sure. 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 Done some cool shit along the way. Hoover Dam's pretty sweet. Hoover Dam is pretty sweet. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, but even if you removed all of that, if you didn't even want to watch it for the ratio, it's a fantastic horror film. Oh, yeah, it's still a good horror film. Yeah, still a great horror film because it works on a gender level as well. But the subtext of discussion it's actually, well, it's partially having with you on top of that with the loss of identity and loss of sense of self Mm -hmm. and sense of community and culture within this, like subsumed by this larger culture and you are just fodder. For the, the gears of society over yeah, on the side. And- yeah, even if you were to look at it, if, say it's an all-white film, right? It still works on... If you did a white, like a, a rich and poor white film, it still yeah, works. It still works on a gender level. It works on a class level. Mm-hmm. And it even works on an ageism level. The fact that old people want to co-opt youth because they don't want to let go of being young. And they will sacrifice you for their effort to stay young. Youth is wasted on the young. Yeah, that's what they say. And it's weird. The older I get, I'm just like, yeah, you know what? Had I known at 20 what I know that's, now. That's the circle of life. It is. Yeah. Um, you can't I don't know much, but I know I love you. And that may be <laughs> all I need to know. That's a good point. <laughs> we need to get an Aaron Neville. Is anybody listening? If you can sing like Aaron Novel, yeah. let's do some sort of top ten something or other. Sure, sounds good. That's What's your number four? Uh, four is so that's uh, the other classic that I've mentioned earlier oh, that you can okay. go back for. Okay. Twelve Angry Men. Oh, nice choice, man. Sidney Lumet C- had done Lumet. TV. Yep. He had done a TV movie or two, but he was doesn't like, count. Doesn't count because TV at video. that time was utterly different. Yes, and when you make a jump to theatrical, you're making a movie. Yeah, you have to. It's a completely different art form. Yep. Um, TV at that time still on some level well, it still is but at that time it was definitely we gotta make fucking sausage yep so we gotta make 30 of these a year or how many ever the, a TV season was yeah and just let's start grinding baby what do you got and to turn around and make something that I, I think by and large could be released today and uh, if you just update it instead of making it black and white it was color and whatnot and put all actors in it that people today knew, but you could take that script, that thing would be a success. Yeah, yeah. It's got great pacing, characters you can understand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, just really well done. It's a fantastic play from Reginald Rose. Uh, I directed a version of it at college, uh, made some money off of that thing, kind of funded my way out here. Uh, so I will always have a special place in my heart for 12 Angry Men. I wanted to put it on my list. I probably should have put it on my list, but I thought it was a bit of an old choice. And I thought since I have Maltese already, I don't want to go too old. But I think it's a great there, choice. Well, you have another old choice. Uh, yes, true. Uh, another fair point. Yeah. Both of those are that's old choices. I didn't want to add another one. I got one. two. You but got yeah, two. Yeah. And, and I think that's fair because that's, that's a fantastic one to have, Matt, because it's an incredible cast. Jack Klugman, Henry Fonda, Henry Fonda, e. G. Marshall, Lee J. Cobb. It's I understand why the now place. there was a Peter Fonda and a Fonda and a Fonda and yeah, a Fonda. Yeah, exactly. So many Fondas. Because well, you see him and you're like, I'm sure this represented a dad-like or a paternal-like figure within cinema for a long time yeah. because I buy into it. And the argument he makes is a simple yet effective and moralistic argument mm-hmm. that is just as true and will always be as true. Yep. And the other dude, it's a, the other dude is basically the people that come at us full throttle, which does not happen all that much anymore. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. Yeah. It's like, how do you not have Just, I don't know what baggage you have from somewhere else that you're redirecting at us, but deal with your shit and come back and enjoy the show. Yeah. 
If you still have or whatever, so be it. I hope you were like assistant director or something on that movie. Then you got to gripe with me. <laughs> I fucking get it. Um, yeah. Lee but, J. Cobb. He's yeah. Great. To see him do that and, and all the other individuals, just like the audience, understand Fonda's simple question. Yeah. It's not that difficult, but you do have to kind of strip down your preconceived notions and your perceptions and what you're projecting onto another individual, another cast or, or, or class of society. Yeah. It's, I mean, Lamette, it's, it is a uh, craftsman's like touch mm-hmm. to a first movie. It is beautifully done. I agree. Thoroughly agree, man. Yeah. Thoroughly agree. Go back and watch it, youngins. Yeah. Anybody hasn't seen it. It's on Criterion. You can buy it on Criterion. Uh, Fuck, man. You know, <laughs> there's fewer Criterion movies than there are Saudi princes. Hey, was that from Topic Thunder? Yes, yeah, that was Thunder. from Topic Thunder. <laughs> You'll find out when you hear that one. Yeah, for those that uh, support us at Patreon.com forward slash the top ten with the number ten. Um, yep. Do you think anybody out there is putting in Patreon.com forward slash the top ten with the number ten? Yes, Just, and they're like frustrated, say, dude. I mean, it's a long URL. <laughs> Never works. I've tried it at Facebook. I've tried their Gmail account. I've done everything I can. These guys are assholes. (laughs) Uh, All right, my number four is Badlands from Terrence Malick. I have not seen it. Oh, really? Okay. This is an incredible film. Martin Sheen, Sheen, right? Yeah. Yeah, Martin Sheen, Sissy Spacek. uh, Just an incredible film uh, to come out of the gate with. And I I know a lot of people don't like Malick now. He's a student of consciousness filmmaking. Whatever. I still go see those films and love them to pieces. Uh, But Badlands is such a great story. A simple story. If you ever heard Springsteen's Nebraska, if you ever watched Bonnie and Clyde, this all kind of uh, is related to Badlands in a way. They go on this crime spree. What he's able to do with the camera, the cinematography, the the uh, um, the uh, the sense of desperation and the ruthlessness of these two as they go on their killing spree is so unsettling. And then you you, you get caught up in Sissy Spacek's story of like this young girl who gets who's got nothing else going on in her world who gets swept up by this kind of like uh, you know young charming kind of brutal dude. Uh, and then has no idea what she's got herself call, uh, caught up into until later and what she has to do. So all of it so works, and the pacing of the film is great, and the performances. And the, his use of the natural elements of the world, the wind, the high grass, all of it, he does such a fantastic job with the film um, that it's, it's, it's honestly, it's a classic debut. Like, it isn't just a great debut. It's like a, the film is a classic, and it's uh, incredible to knock that out of the park. On your first film. Sounds like a Hemingway novel. The way you described yeah, it. Yeah. Like, that to me seems like the description sometimes that he gives to all kinds of... Uh, but the grass when it came up, yeah. it's just like you can visualize that. It's almost like a, a gladiator, I'm guessing. But without mm. the, the the lens through which they're... The, the you know, netherworld that you're yeah. viewing that through, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like these big... Cinematic scoping, like wide scope shots. Yeah, and, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, all right, what's your number three? Three is uh, one of the other potential two that okay. you may have Shawshank Redemption. Yes, sir, that's my number three. Uh, wow. Okay, I'm guessing my one is your two. That's Let's my hope guess. So. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put a little check mark next to Shawshank. <laughs> and it's just, so we could, we're going to end up with three. All right. Um, that's my guess. At least. Yeah, yeah, sure. Just. 
Wow. Yeah, Frank Darabont. Wow. To take a novella. From Stephen King. A novella, which means a small novel, and turn it into this epic, almost two and a half hour film that is incredibly rewatchable and feels like uh, a weighty film about friendship. Somehow, a movie about prison yeah. became one of the most rewatchable movies in the history of cinema. Yep. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, just in that it would be like a road picture, like freedom, right. discovery, something you would assume, or a relationship between a man and a woman or yep. whatnot. Some sort of love story. It doesn't have to be a man and a woman. Um, would be the most rewatchable. Or a sports movie sure. or a comedy. And somehow Shawshank, for all of us, yeah. thanks to TBS and TNT and HBO and everybody else that has taken a stab at just playing the living shit out of Shawshank. Yeah, yeah. Because in, instead of Christmas Story playing for 24 hours straight, that's Shawshank per year on some channel. Yeah. They yeah. just, yeah, you can see Shawshank every day. It's like, what is that, PCU, where the guy's thesis is he can watch a Michael Caine movie? <laughs> he can find one on cable every hour? Every hour. You could probably do that now with Shawshank on some level. Yep. You can get close. You can get close. And you can't fault him. No, no. I mean, that's the thing. And the performances of Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman and... You know, everyone in the film is incredible. Uh, and uh, Clancy Brown is great as a ruthless villain. But it's a story about a guy trying to get out of the prison of his mind. Not just the physical prison. Yeah. Prison, of, prison of his own of his doing. Mind. Yeah, prison of his own doing, right. And how he gets out. And, and him and Morgan. Him and Red, both of them. Uh, Andy and Red, both of them are trying to get out of the prison of their minds. And Andy finally figures it out. And Red follows suit. And in that... You know, they find true peace and contentment with each other. But overall, the film puts you on such a journey. And once again, like some of these other films we've talked about, Matt, mm -hmm. doesn't pull its punches with the ruthlessness of the rape, the ruthlessness of... All from the sisters. Right. And not having it be a happy ending until much later, which means he endured that rape for years. Yes. And that's overwhelming to think about. When he plays the record... Yeah. You feel the same as the prisoners do. Mm -hmm. When Morgan Freeman on voiceover and just like, I have no idea what that woman was singing about, but it's easily one of those beautiful things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And the moments of rebellion. Yeah. The joy on his face as he gets to share a piece of himself with everyone else. And it does, you know, it's a rising tide lifting everybody's ship, even if it was just for a short amount of time. Yeah. It's, it's amazingly beautiful over and over and like that. And then heart wrenching. Yeah. Heart wrenching. Certainly Brooks's stories. Heartbreaking, yeah, and, you know, and and Red almost following the same path before the turn happens, and yeah, everything involved in there, and uh, you know, he rebels so that he can feel like human, so he can feel like himself again, right? If he if he had totally conformed to prison life, he'd have just given up hope, but he can't. He has to find his way out, and those small moments of rebellion, which is also confronting. The uh, security guard, the main security guard, about the ta the thirty thousand dollars and setting up a tax shelter for him, all that kind of jazz. All of it is part of it, you know. And the warden blows his brains out. Oh, yeah. It's so good. You're like, oh, thank God, <laughs> thank God, you got the ending you deserved. Yep. Yep. Uh, when Morgan Freeman is at that uh, his parole hearing after having so many parole hearings and. Do I feel you know what is it the uh, reformed? Yeah. I have no idea what that means. He's I'm, finally honest with himself yeah. and with them. Boom, you're paroled. Because you've been bullshitting 
right. yourself and us you, for all these years. You've been trying to say what they what you think they yeah. want to hear. And now you can finally say the truth, your truth. Yeah, and now you're not full of piss and vinegar. And he's like, I don't even recognize who that was. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's it's true. There's a day go by that I don't want to tell that man to stop doing what he's doing. Yeah, it's great stuff. Uh, all right, what's your number two? Uh, two is probably not on your list. Okay. This is Spinal Tap. Yeah, not on my list. I think this thing is so good. I know. I, I respect people that love that film so much. I, I don't know why I can't love it as much as y'all do, but I know it's a funny film. Oh, man. I just don't love it as much as everybody else. Just the, the idea that how, how they came up with this, I, I guess, ostensibly on their own. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. bands, you know, a decade later, stories were starting to come out and being like, I feel like you guys heard a story about me <laughs> and you put that in the movie. And you're like, are you for real? Yes, this happened to us in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, of course. I've heard stories of, you know, random bands where they've had malfunctions at concerts, and it's like, you easily could have put that in Spinal Tap and <laughs> make a movie. But it happened closer to now. Like, you know, it, there's so many concerts going on at all times, especially when you have, like, big, stupid stage productions. Yeah. You know, think, think of a night where um, Pink Floyd is out, and they're doing the whole wall, and they've got huge set pieces, or they're flying. They're not doing the wall that night, but they're doing, you know, uh, War Pigs. Or oh, that's, I'm sorry, that's a, a Black Sabbath. Um, but you know, they Pink Floyd would be floating huge balloons or whatever else, but a set piece does not work. Um, they have right. all this massive stage production and these big, crazy artistic ideas. Yeah. And of course there's going to be a night that fails Yeah, or you can't find the fucking stage. Fucking Stonehenge. Or you can't. Yeah. Stonehenge <laughs> bitching about it. It's just like, well, we got to get little dwarves, like they're little dwarves. Dancing around? I don't know if you oh. call it. Is it little people? Little people. preferred ver- uh, vernacular? Yeah, little person. Nomenclature? I don't know. Right. Little person? Sure. <laughs> uh, please update me. Um, I know one is bad. I don't know if dwarf is bad or not. I think dwarf is bad. I think is it? I think dwarf is, is okay fine. because it's mm. uh, midget. Okay. Yeah, definitely look down on. Right. Because I think that's just a catch-all for all individuals below a certain height. Mm. Whereas dwarfism is an actual genetic condition yeah true good point um <coughs> yeah and that's as much as i know <laughs> so, let's not act like i'm Perfect. a fucking yeah i love it yeah well, you, gotta, you gotta be honest with yourself i'm not gonna sit here and bullshit you true. john i'm a geneticist when i'm not obsessing about basketball movies <laughs> I, I know that's things fair. that's fair i know things i saw a thing once so <laughs> uh all of it the you know my amp goes to 11 they, they, the fucking. The Paul Schaefer stuff where he's like, just kick me in the ass. Just kick me in the ass. <laughs> All of it. Uh, Frank Drescher's hilarious in the movie. Well, the, 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 the girlfriend stuff. The girlfriend coming yeah. in and basically being the Yoko. Yeah, the Yoko. <laughs> and changing. Oh, I don't like her. Um, what's his name? Uh, the voiceover actor, Harry, Harry Shearer. Yeah. He's going through the metal detector and he has to pull out a zucchini that's wrapped in tinfoil for some reason. <laughs> like that wouldn't set off any metal detector. He's just like, well, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the cocoon that he gets locked in. Yeah. And he finally breaks out as the song just officially ended. Such good, stupid fun. <laughs> over and over and over again. Yeah. It's certainly full of funny moments. I just don't know why I love it. don't love it as much as everybody else. But, you know, I, I'm not a rocker guy. It's just something about it I just don't connect to for whatever reason. So. Uh, any of that stuff. Yeah. Or the real version history of the world part two. The oh, decline yeah. of Western civilization. No, decline of Western civilization part two. Right. Uh, about hair metal in the 80s. Yeah. Dude, I've seen that so many times. I think it's Penelope Spheris who does the documentary, that documentary, the Woman who directed Fast Times and uh, okay. Clueless. I think she I've never that. seen part one. I've only seen part two. Oh, okay. I've cool. seen part two. 
like six times. Wow. Is it it's really that good? It's a interesting snapshot of the LA hair metal scene oh. from that era. Okay. Okay. Like there's a dude, he's um you remember those old I'm sure they still have them. But back in the 80s and whatnot, yeah. the floating recliner chairs that were like almost woven and they just had styrofoam kind of oh, holding yeah, you up. Yeah. He's in one of those, like a nicer version of that. And his mom is sitting, it's at night, there, he's in his pool. His mom is sitting at the patio, you know, uh, uh, pool furniture type of thing with a circular round table and just like an outdoor chair type of thing. <laughs> and she's sitting there and he's drunk off his ass and he's just pouring from a handle of vodka, which is 1.5 liters for our international people. Yeah. And he's just pouring it on himself and drinking some of it and whatnot and having a conversation with her. Jesus. Because she's asking questions off camera and then it would pan to the mom and ask a question like, how does this make you feel type of thing? Yeah. And you're like, this is fucking, uh, this is real. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just like, ah, decadence. Like, he's not trying to be an asshole, but you are an asshole because you're that over the top. Right. And, so Spinal Tap is just the comedic version of the absurdity of a rock and roll lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what's it, what would it be like to tour with Led Zeppelin in their heyday? Right. I don't know. We'll have to find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Agreed. Um, all right. Like, so your two is my number one. Go Reservoir Dogs. Words. Reservoir yeah. Dogs. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino. What a great debut. Fuck, yeah, just yeah. stellar. Yeah. Your guys was because it was built up to a degree that was never going to reach that, so it's never been in the discussion. You're my number one. Yeah. You're number yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But this one is... But Reservoir is... Well, plus Tarantino thereafter. Well, yeah. Just like, even if I don't like how much the home run he just hit cleared the fence, mm-hmm. it's still a home run. Right. By and large. That's a good point. Yeah. It, Some it, of them are grand slams to me. Some of them are monster crush 450, you knocked in two runs, and others are like, eh, the left fielder kind of bounced off his glove. Good right, for you. Right. But this one's a nice, solid home run. Oh, to me, this is a grand slam. Oh, grand slam. Okay, fair. All right. For our international people, I don't, <laughs> if you don't know baseball references, this is, this is the coup de grace. This is... Yeah, this is when bases are loaded. It's pinnacle you could do, especially for your first. This is yeah. my favorite Tarantino still is. Even after the newest uh, to the cannon, number nine. Yeah, it's the most runs you can score in one at-bat. That's what you say. True. Yeah. And usually we associate it with you on the game. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, I mean, just how you come out um, of the gate with a film like this. And yes, it's based on Ringo Lamb's uh, something. Ring of Fire, Ring of Fire. Um, no, City on Fire. City on Fire, sorry. City on Fire. Um, but Is it with Chow on Fat? I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, that you might be like, a Shmoda. Uh, yeah. I really doubt. They've rarely asked any international questions. Really? Yeah. That seems like a no-brainer just because of the... It's on purpose. Um, yeah, and, and the cast, you got this great cast of Buscemi and Harvey Keitel and Chris Penn, Lawrence Tierney, Michael Madsen. Chow uh, Yun-Fat. Chow Yun-Fat's in it? Okay, cool. But like all the... the you somehow are able to write incredible scenes, incredible lines of dialogue... Great back and forth that always feel authentic between guys, and um, and then write these random monologues when, that uh, Tim Roth has to memorize, uh, you know, to get across uh, to to be believable as this crook, this criminal, all of it, and the way it's all constructed, and the way it all goes down, and uh, the way that he's willing, like Hytel is willing to just fight everyone to defend Tim Roth and then having that twist happen and his reaction to it is like, oh my God, all of it is just so good. It is. I mean, it, it comes up on a number of shows. I think it was yeah, last week's show. Oh, probably, yeah. Uh, okay. Sting Operations. 
Yeah. Yep. Well, no, it wasn't. It came up on my list. All oh, right, because sure. because uh, of uh, what's his face, Jim Roth being in it. Yeah. Yeah. It sets it okay. all up. It's all a big takedown. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah. The the you know we didn't talk about like the like a virgin monologue. Great monologue. The Tarantino. Yeah. That and Pulp, the two times where he gave himself lines and the lines work, but I think especially so in Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like yeah, I don't, I can't imagine any other character delivering these lines except for you. Yeah. You know, really impressive on your part. And then kill yourself off. Nice move. <laughs> yeah, right. Smart. Good. Get yourself out of there. Hence, like a virgin. Yeah. All right, uh, you're number one. Yeah, Citizen Kane. Uh, considered the greatest film ever made. Uh, 23 years old, Orson Welles. 1941. Should have won Best Picture. For some reason, Hot Green was my at Valley won Best Picture. But this is... What a hell of a debut. I mean, to debut with what is essentially a lot of number what people one. consider is the best movie of all time. That's incredible to debut yeah. with your first one. Um, and, and some of you may be like, Matt, the, you know, you go back and watch it now. You're like, oh, what's the big deal? The, at the time, people weren't doing what he did in the movie. Yeah, dolly shots. Yeah, the dolly exist. shots going through the sign down into the stuff. The shot from below. You never shot from below on the ground. It never happened until Orson Welles did it in Citizen Kane. Greg Tolan took an axe to the set and dug a hole in the dirt under the set that they had built to shoot from up above to catch that scene in the election headquarters after Kane loses the election. All of the stuff that he does here. Plus, it's this, it's in essence... Um, a Rashomon story before Rashomon happens in 1950 sure. from Kurosawa. And also, it's Kane, you never get to see Kane's point of view about anything. The film is told through everyone else's remembrances of Charles Foster Kane, but Charles Foster Kane never actually gets to tell his own story. And I think there's a, just an incredible underlying brilliance to the movie that he okay. never gets to talk about himself. Everyone else, you have, you honestly, you could see that movie and go, this is what other people thought he was, but I actually don't know for sure who he is. Wow. Because everyone has different experiences. Himself. Right. I don't know how he views himself. Yeah. But we see how other people view him. Certainly. We've seen public perception. Right. We've seen like someone like Bernstein who thinks he can do no wrong. Kane can do no wrong. And then someone like uh, uh, his, like Joseph Cotton's character, Jed, Jedediah Leland, that he can absolutely do wrong uh, and be called out on it. Um, and then you see the, what, the, what the butler witnesses, what his mistress witnesses, what his wife witnesses. All of it, you know, and Thatcher, what Thatcher witnesses, all of it is told through flashback and jumping around in time. And it's just so brilliant. And the acting is incredible. The writing is incredible. Um, I don't know. It's still a film I come back to over and over again, Matt. And uh, I don't think it'll ever lose its effect on me, honestly. There you go. There it is. All right. Well, that's our separate lists for the top 10 directorial debuts of all time. Now we're going to compile this motherfucker. All right. You want to write this week? Yeah, sure. I'm out of space. (laughs) All right. Uh, Number one, I imagine, is Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Okay. And then I'd say Shawshank next. Okay. Okay. And then um, we don't have anything in common for a while, so right. it'll probably be then Citizen Kane. Okay. And what do you what do you have next? Uh my number two, Spinal Tap. Okay. This is Spinal Tap. And that's old Bobby Reiner, Robo. Okay. Uh what's your next highest? Uh, Badlands at number four. All right, I got 12 Angry Men at four. I haven't seen Badlands. I'm going to give you 12 Angry Men. Okay. Yeah. I love that damn movie. 
Uh, all right. Then Badlands. What does that take us to? Number six? Number five for me, Get Out. No, I'm saying, are we at number six? Uh, we're at number seven. Seven. So there's three left. What do we have? We have Maltese. We do have Maltese. And it's a little lower down. Yeah, but I'd say we only have four left. We should bump Maltese to seven then. Okay. Because we both have that. So that puts us at eight. So we have eight, nine, and ten left. What's your highest? Uh, get Out at number five. Uh, okay, go with that, and I'll do Caddyshack next at five. Okay. And then, what's your six? Uh, American Beauty from Sam Mendes. I got Ex Machina. Now, I am. I will allow a coin flip, but I can't give you that one. If you, I can't be a nice guy. I can't you'll, be a gentleman. You'll allow a coin flip? Yep. Oh, you're one. saying instead of just giving it to me? Yeah, instead of like us going, well, you know, I like your movie. You know, your movie's good. Well, here's what I'll say. I, I can't do I it. Can, I can put Ex Machina here uh, uh, because I do enjoy the movie. I love the movie. Um, and I understand people's problems with Kevin Spacey and with the whole floating around of the, of the bag. So I don't mind like seceding that situation. Is that how you say it, seceding? Conceding, conceding. Well, seceding would be your Virginia roots <laughs> trying to leave this show. You son of a bitch. What is this, podcaster's rights? I can no longer feel like oh. we are represented in this here union. Foghorn Leghorn showed up. <laughs> we will have to well, well, I say, I say, I say. That boy's more afraid of long tail cat room full of rocking chairs. Uh, all right, well, let's do this thing. Um, do you want to do... What, I'm, I'm banging okay, and, okay. and giving you numbers. Give me that falsetto. Sounds good. The top 10 directorial debuts of all time. Yeah. And number 10. Ex Machina. Coming in at number nine. Caddyshack. In the eight spot. Get out. And number seven. The Maltese Falcon. Number six is... Badlands. Starting our top five. 12 Angry Men. And numero cuatro. This is Spinal Tap. In the third spot. Citizen Kane. Finally, our second. The Shawshank Redemption. And our number one best directorial debut movie is... Reservoir Dogs. Uh, and that in order is Quentin Tarantino, Frank Darabont, Orson Welles, Rob Reiner, Sidney Lumet, Terrence Malick, John Huston, Jordan Peele, Harold Ramis, and Alex Garland. There you go. Nice job. Thank you. Nice job. I was like, you're going to fuck this up? You're going to fuck this up? Did you write the directors down? No, I just did it from memory. Good for you. Yeah, I'm studying. Shimo down. You got any honorables? uh, Dude, I have like 40 honorables. But please, go ahead. Please, go ahead. The one that was fighting with Nightcrawler, there were two. District 9 and Moon. Oh, District 9 was certainly something I considered. I think I have more rewatchability with Moon and Nightcrawler than I do with District 9 at this point. Okay. So that's why I was just like, "Ah, I'm going to exclude District 9. It's really between Nightcrawler and Moon. Right. Nightcrawler to me, I think. I don't know. That's fair. It's more indelible. Uh, for me, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang uh, for Shane Black. That was his first? Yeah. First directorial debut. I missed that on the list. Yeah. And uh, Sexy Beast. And I've got that on the side. Yeah. I was, dude, I was so, so close with Sexy dude. Beast. Ace Ventura. <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. Stop. That's the Farrelly Brothers' first movie. True, true, true. That to me is amazing. American History X. Okay, okay. Uh, Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. Hoosiers. Sure. Mm-hmm. Hoosiers, uh, yeah, that's a fo- possibility, sure. It was, uh, uh, let's see. I almost put Brana for Henry V, Henry V. Oh, okay. That's a great, great Shakespeare adaptation. I would Hunger. argue he's never done better. Hunger, okay. All Steve right. McQueen. All right, fair enough. John Hughes, 16 Candles. Yeah, no chance. Yeah. 
Mad Max, maybe. George Miller, yeah, I thought about that one. I was really close, but and I like... The Living Dead, I was like, maybe. But I like Thunderdome, or I mean, I like... Uh, uh, yeah, so do I. The second one better. Road yeah. Warrior. Yeah, Road Warrior. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's just like, ah, I really go back for this other one. Did uh, Dance of the Wolves have a chance in your nope. mind? Nope, okay. no chance. Okay. What about I, Tim Burton with Pee-wee's Big Adventure? No? Uh, no. Okay. Lockstock? Yeah, that was close for me. It was, it was like, boom, there's another one. Fuck Easy peasy. It. If Snatch wasn't better, I would have chosen Anchorman. Lockstock. Okay. I can't imagine I would have ever considered that. Uh, honestly, Menace of Society, I said okay. earlier. Yep. Let's, the head genuine. I still have a couple others, like Deadpool, I wrote down, Cabin in the Woods. They never, never had a shot. Yeah. But it's just like, that is a first time director. Let's keep going. Let's keep mm-hmm. going. Mm-hmm. Spider Man, I said, uh, In Bruges, Michael Clayton, Frailty. Oh, Frailty's good. Bronx Tale, Man Without a Face. Oh, yes. Yeah. This is De Niro, nice. right? Yeah. Okay. Took the palmentary play, one-man play. Mm-hmm. I he's, think it was a one-man play. He's doing it again. Oh, I'm sorry. Amy Heckerling, not Penelope Spears. Amy Heckerling is who directed Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's, I'm sorry about that. Uh, some people were trying to convince me to put Diner on, Barry Levinson's Diner, but... It's never... Yeah. It doesn't resonate with me like this for other people. And it's chock-full of actors I enjoy thoroughly. Yeah. But it's just... Never been one I really go back yeah, to. Don't disagree. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Top Ten Show. Uh, I considered Michael Bay for Bad Boys, too, but it's not enough. Uh, uh, I appreciate uh, – we appreciate you all uh, downloading the show every week and listening to the show every week and retweeting it as uh, Matt yeah, and I please. asking you to do. Uh, every time you do, look, it just helps us, uh, you know uh, – Maybe potentially spark up in someone else's uh, feed that's never listened to the show or True. the topic catches their eye and they're willing to jump on board and we grab, grab one new listener. We're all in this together, guys. We build <laughs> the society that we would like to see. And with your help, we can build a utopia. Wow. And I think we can, uh, trust me, the Kool-Aid is going to taste so good. So good. So good. You want extra sugar? There's extra sugar. You like a little bit, you know, more watery? Not a problem. This is a flexible Kool-Aid. Pair. We fit all tastes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, uh, you know, Matt told you about uh, where you can uh, engage in the conversation on Facebook. You can also, if you want to be a patron, patron of the Top Ten Show, you can go to www.patreon.com slash the top ten, number ten there, uh, and uh, see the multiple tiers we have there. You want to be part of Topic Thunder, that's where you find out about that. If you want to be part of any of the other shows, bonus content we do, it's all there. And, uh, you know, if you want to be part of the new thing that we've added, which is uh, one video of one episode every month will go up. It's only available to the $20 and above patrons. So if you want to get in on that action, see our pretty faces, uh, as well as a random guest, if they're on for that week, talking about our top 10 lists or counting them down in person on live. I mean, so not live, but on camera, uh, you can do that as well. Yeah, and we look to be doing that once a month, if we can help it, hopefully. If we can help it, yeah. Hypothetically, maybe we even get it up to like twice a month. Oh, Who my knows? God. Oh my Who God. knows? We're working on things. Yeah, we are. Um, there's a little bit of flux in the office, you know, with one dude just systematically leaving and throwing a wrench in everybody else's life. How dare he? That's yeah, true. That's How true. dare he? That's true. Uh, I let him know my feelings Did upon you? his departure today. Yeah. This kid better be fucking worth it. <laughs> Specifically what I said. I couldn't do fantasy this year because I know. of your stinking baby. And now that it got delayed, he's going to be here working another week, which means you could have had the draft next week. Yeah, he said that they're uh, yeah. Uh, inducing. Yeah, they're inducing. Middle of this week. Craziness. Uh, all right. Uh, follow. Follow me at Matt Nost. Yep. Follow me at The Roca Says. And uh, we'll talk to you next time for another episode of the Top 10 Show. Mm-hmm.